Welcome to Watershed's February podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator at Watershed. And you will no doubtedly notice that we are still closed. We hope to be open, obviously, sometime in the near future. But at this moment in time, it's looking like um, well into the spring. When we did the podcast, the January podcast, um, that was recorded in, in December, late December. And at that point, we were optimistic we'd be open in February. However, that is not to be the case. Um, we unfortunately, like most things, are still closed. Um, so we are not screening films in the cinema, but we are watching, I think, more and more films online, on television, and more films are available. So it's quite interesting, that dynamic. And I am delighted that I've got two friends of Watershed, two partners, colleagues, um, that um, I've got along to talk about what they're up to and what they're watching, and make some recommendations and explore a bit of what their cinematic life is or film life is at this moment in time. Um, so I'll introduce, I'm delighted to be welcomed by Roger Griffith. Um, Roger is a, a writer, producer, educator and social activist. He is a consultant and CEO of his company, Creative Connex and lectures and works on diversity projects with a number of partners. And I should point out that Roger uh, was awarded an MBE for services to diversity in the arts in 2019. And Roger, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever congratulated you on that. Um, actually, we, we, we've, it's just become part of Roger Griffith MBE. Oh, um, congratulations. And, and um, I mean, how is that well, for you to be? You can, you can work as my agent, mate. <laughs> how how is that um you know in terms of just being acknowledged for for the work because you have been working quite tirelessly on 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 community access and, and diversity yeah look, um it was just over a year some people say it's controversial i didn't see it's as controversial you make the choice um to me it was uh, it was an honor it was an honor from the people that i've worked with you know people who've encouraged me and mentored me and and also recognized some of the work that we've you, you know with uh you know paving the way for people like malika to, to go through into bristol old vic and the and the and the watershed through the work that we've done through come the revolution and obviously Jima radio uh as, as well as uh, you know mentoring a, a a number of people and being recognized for my um my book and my my work so mm. plus uh, you know nobody knows uh, uh my mother who uh like I say, who would never speak to me again if I, I if she didn't have that day in Buckland Palace and actually brought me <laughs> into the world that day when she was just basking in something somewhere she stared at many, many times from the outside looking in, grew up with the plantation fields around her in Guyana um, and, uh, you know, knowing all the, the, the Queen's children and then to be be there and have her son honoured was uh, just a fantastic day along with uh, Stacey and my sister Laura. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great it's a great recognition, and 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 you you mentioned come the rev. Of course, that's um, we've we've worked a lot with come the revolution, the the um, black curating um, curation forum, um, and have delivered uh, a number of projects, and we might talk about some of those later on. But I'm also um, delighted to be joined by Malika Kagodi. Malika is a writer, performer, and producer based in Bristol. She's performed um, around the UK at a number of um, venues and festivals, including the 100 Club, WOMAD, um, and at the Edinburgh Festival. And uh, Malika, as I, as, I, as I was reading about your performing work, um, I couldn't help but feel a kind of sense of melancholy or emotion because your work is so much based around audiences. 
it must be you must be yearning for that again yeah yeah absolutely and that last one you mentioned especially edinburgh fringe like a year without the edinburgh fringe just felt so so empty and yeah my work the poetry that i do it's all about connecting with audiences and connecting with people i also run workshops and so much about that is about being in a room and you know making those connections so i definitely have felt the absence of that the last year and, and just before um uh, the lockdown, the first lockdown. You you were developing a project with Bristol Old Vic, and and you you were just saying before we went on air that you um that you were in the, the Old Vic again today. It might you might be sort of starting again with the project. Yeah, yeah. So um, today I went and had a, a meeting with the director and uh, Ben Atterbury, who is the ferment director. And also Marietta Kirkbride, who's an amazing playwright, who was helping me as like a dramaturg of the show. Uh, and it was the first time I'd seen anybody in real life other than my partner for any extended length of time in like a month. So that was that was strange uh, and surreal, but really good. Because, yeah, before lockdown in uh, February of 2020, we uh, did a two-night run of the show that I wrote called Outlier and... It was just an amazing time and it got commissioned by Bristol Vic and we were going to do it at the end of 2020, but then obviously that didn't happen. So, we, yeah, we're sort of tentatively coming back into the room and plotting dates and hoping that we'll be able to be in front of audiences again soon. And, and I mean, this I, I, I asked you uh, along, Malika, because you, you tweeted a lovely tweet about um, the essence of, of cinema and the essence of going to the cinema but what what prompted that yeah so it's something that i've been thinking about a lot is the actual experience of being in a cinema being physically present in that space um i i got some bad news and uh, it was it felt really strange to me to not be able to go to the cinema because in the past when i've received bad news or if i've been in a state of grief or trauma i find a really I find it really comforting to be able to go to the cinema, to just go sit in a dark room and be absorbed for a couple of hours. And instead, I, you know, I watched it on, on my uh, TV, I watched Netflix and I can always get sucked into a film. I think that there's something really healing about that, but the absence of cinemas and the absence of the space to go and physically be with the film in that way, uh, it's really special. And I just wanted to reminisce on that more than anything. Because, because I mean, it really, it really spoke to me about the um, experience and the impact of cinema. And you know, one of the films that you you mentioned in particular was Carol, um, Todd Haynes' film um, from a few years back, which we screened at Watershed, and it just reminded me of of um, that sort of essential sort of cinematic quality, and um, it was a great reminder of that. Um, but we are here to talk about. Um, we are still watching films, as I said, and and we're here to talk about. Um, you know the films that we have been escaping into, or um, being entertained by, or being provoked by. So, um, Roger, if I can start with you, what's what what have you been watching um, recently, and what would you recommend um, for people that listen to the podcast? Well, um, the the first one that's the, the absolute standout was the um, the kind of epitaph to um, what I believe would have been one of the great actors of all time and that man is Chadwick Boseman in them as Black uh, Panther he starred alongside Viola Davis in the excellent uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and I know that's be after 
uh, something after Malika's heart in terms of it comes from a play um, from all the great pen of August William, um, Wilson, part of his uh, his ten uh, uh, trilogy, the only one not shot in uh, Philadelphia. So it's just a, a, a fantastic tour of force, not only by a, a Shadwick but also by Viola. I'm expecting them. Uh, Oscar nominations for them both, uh, just really intense in terms of the, the, you know, she comes up from the south and is just accepted on her terms, you know, mm. full of uh, mouthful of gold teeth. It's set just, in the, uh, um, is it the 1930s sort of jazz world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, in Chicago, yeah. And it's yeah. A, well, yeah, more, more, more blues than jazz. And there's that kind of uh, battle go, uh, 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 going on with another uh, kind of famous jazz female mu- musician at the time, but Ma, Ma Rainey existed in, in real life. Uh, and it's just, you know, to see Viola in that performance, obviously we know, you know, because she's got the uh, Emmys and the Oscars and Tony's coming out of her, her repertoire of, of work from television screen and, uh, and cinema. But uh, Shadwick as well is a, in a supporting role is just uh, steals the screen. And it's just, he spoke so well about diversity in the industry and, uh, and really contextualised it around Black Panther and the need, you know, remember Black Panther and, um, you know whether people like the film or not. It was just just to see black uh, superheroes and a kind of vision of Africa before uh, uh, kind of colonialism and slavery. It was and it was just what that meant for for us as a people. I just thought it was, um, so. And I've seen some of his films retrospectively, and he just has that presence. Yeah. Um, to sort of get on up, and there's just a clip of him then from from James Brown, and it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, and it's it is quite. Um, I mean, it is very poignant watching him because I mean he he never. He never said to anybody that he had terminal cancer. He never, he never no. mentioned it at all. And he, I, when I watched it, I, I was, I sort of thought he doesn't, you know, he, he looks, he, he, you know, you felt for him basically because he was giving such a fantastic performance. Um, and you just do think about what he could have, what he could have gone on to achieve. Absolutely, and it's uh, and that's you know I'm feeling emotional just talking about it because that's why that's why I think you can't help you, you can't separate the two because you know he's going through that trauma and you know that nobody knows because even his, 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 his people close to him didn't uh, know and yet he's still uh, you know these are you know he has some long monologues it's 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 uh, it is very uh, stagey but I don't think it loses anything for that uh, watching it on the screen uh you can get that one on on uh, uh netflix i do believe on uh, uh as far as i'm concerned it was uh, marini's black bottom oh, yeah. by black director as well extraordinary performance all there yeah. and, and malika have you have you seen that film i've not watched it yet no i've not watched it yet it's highly highly recommended what 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 have you got for us what what film have you been uh, has been exciting you yeah, we've been watching lots of films. We kind of set, uh, me and my partner, we kind of set this plan to like try and watch a film every day, at least one film every day. Um, and yeah, it's been great. And a recent one that really stood out to me was a film called Makeup, um, directed by Claire Oakley. It's like a directorial debut from her, or feature debut anyway. And yeah, it's great. Just this new British voice, a really quite small story. But I like that. I like when you take a small story and stretch it out and give it the, the the space that it needs to grow and be really emotional. It's a sort of coming of age story um, about this young woman. She's 18, but sort of a very young 18 and goes to work at this caravan park in Cornwall with her boyfriend. And uh, yeah, she's sort of learning about herself. There's this recurring, recurring image of the sea that's just constantly there and this constant noise and nature and this sense that she doesn't really know herself yet. And she's in this place that is 
almost deserted, like it's off season in Cornwall. Um, it's a caravan um, park, isn't it? On, yeah. On the coast. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. I remember it now. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of defies genre as well. Like it has these horror, horror elements and this kind of psychosexual sort of Lynchian elements, but then it sort of draws back and it's very much this coming of age tale about young woman discovering sexuality and working through her relationship with her boyfriend. Yeah, it's just really interesting. And like I'm saying, I, I love those small stories that are really given the weight that they deserve. Um, I, like emotion is such a big part of the films that I love. And I feel like makeup really delves into that in a really beautiful way. And, and where, is, where did you see that? Um, so I rented it on Amazon Prime. It was on special offer, so it was like 99p to rent. I think it might be on iPlayer. It was, and mm. then it came off, but I think it might be put back on again. So, mm. yeah, it's called Makeup. Just before I jump back to Roger, I want to give a plug for um, BBC iPlayer's RKO um, selection. They've got a fantastic selection of Hollywood films from the, the sort of 1940s and 50s that were all made through the RKO, RKO studio. You know, that was the studio that um, that got um, Orson Welles making Citizen Kane and um, a fantastic selection that are all available um, free on BBC iPlayer. Just a plug there. I'm not getting any um, payment for it, but, you know, it's worth, worth, worth pointing out. Roger, you, you, you said you'd another, you'd another film. Um, I, I do, so, but if we do a, a quick one for the um, uh, for the iPlayer, Mark Comer's Secret of Cinema, I'm enjoying those, his take on some of those, you know, for cinephiles, it's good to see. Uh, the, the Cult Movers is, is, is uh, the last yeah. one on there, he's done the, as well. But my next oh, one... Sorry, Roger, no, sorry, Roger, just on that, I, I watched that as well, uh, and, you know, you, it, Mark manages to get so many films in there, you, yes, just, you, just, want, like about it. you just want a list of... <laughs> Of the films to watch, don't you? They just flash through so quickly, and that's <laughs> um, I, I'm obviously the, 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 the pop video one, which wouldn't normally be one, but I, I just like his take on there. And there was also um, what he's really tried hard to do. I've been a bit critical about of, of him over the years, but now is just a threat that diversity more to, to, to around race. He's got those films in there. Chadwick yeah, yeah. appears in there and get on that for this is a, a James Brown story. He really, they really have. Mind the vaults of uh, uh, to, to of inclusion for that, which I've, I've, I've appreciated. Yeah. So, so your next film, Roger. Next film uh, for me was the film uh, that we did uh, with you, and thanks to everybody uh, at the Watershed. It's available on the Watershed platform. MLK FBI, an extraordinary uh, documentary into the the secret life uh, and times of Dr. Martin Luther King. For those of us who've studied him closely. Um, been fully aware, but it may be new to others and a new uh, a Dr. King. I love the documentarian's uh, take on the on real difficult subject uh, caught between buying of J. Edgar Hoover uh, and uh, some would you know some would say that the hypocrisy of, of of Dr. King. But what it what it revealed is there are no saints in this world, um, uh, and there are no uh, uh, sinners either. Only people and human beings, and they have their fallacies. They also have their greatness. Uh, but how far that greatness uh, should be tar- uh, tarnished by history is a real uh, a, a dilemma for us as uh, uh, historians, as well as that you've got the the covert racist uh, practices that I first came across on public enemy records from uh, uh, 1989 in terms of, uh, that they said about, talk about King and X, the FBI spying on them, and then we've got the Hoover who's uh, 
must have a dossier um, as, as, as huge as a, as a, as a, 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 a vault of uh, information on, on the top uh, uh, people. Uh, and Dr. King had to live under all this pressure of his private life being his infidelity has been exposed. Um, and, but he did greatness anyway, and he, kept, he got more and more bold, not less so before he was uh, sadly assassinated in, in 68. And having traveled through America and been to his, his graveyard and uh, been to where he was born and where he was uh, assassinated in, in, in Atlanta and uh, um, uh, Memphis, respectively, it was, it was just a wonderful piece of uh, documentarianism. So yeah. that was MLK FBI. Yeah. There's some great, um, it's great sort of reminding footage you know when you see that archive footage of of Martin Luther King I mean you you you're just reminded of the power and, and and significance and I think the irony the tragic irony that you you know that the FBI were trying to get dirt on him and and yet the recent ex-president um, of the United States can have so much dirt on him that nobody gives a damn and nothing happens I'll leave that there. That's true. That's gone for nothing. <laughs> I'll leave that. I'll leave that one hanging. Um, so yeah, um, that, that as you said is is um, you can get MLK FBI through uh, watershed.co.uk. Um, and Malika, you were you were um, you mentioned in the pre-chat about um, it's a sin, um, mm-hmm. uh, not not a. Uh, feature film but a, a, a TV series um, what do you recommend about that? Yeah so I've, I've only watched the first two episodes I know lots of people have binged it I have no idea how they've managed to binge it because I cried yeah, so much yeah. <laughs> just in those first two episodes so I think I would just be a broken person uh, if, I, if I tried to watch them all at once I think it's one of those series to definitely pace yourself through um, but it's, yeah it's Russell T Davis who's an amazing writer as we all know um and it's a series um set in the 80s well yeah throughout the early 80s um with the AIDS epidemic sort of coming into London and people becoming more aware of it and it's just incredible writing yeah the characters are so well drawn that after your first hour with them, you love all of them. And I'm kind of scared to keep watching because I know bad things are going to happen. And I'm like, no, please. <laughs> uh, spare these people. It's just really human. Um, and I was talking to my mum about it as well. She really loves it. And that's when she grew up and she was like, I knew all of these people. These were the people that I hang out with. Like we were the, the cool kids and the freaks. And she's like, it's so well drawn and so authentic. And even though it's set in the eighties, it feels so pressing and it feels so important to, you know, treasure this history and these LGBT elders, um, a lot of whom we've lost. And I think it's it's great setting it with these people being quite young. You know, we don't really talk about that part of history, even though it's so recent. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean I I completely agree with your mum, which shows my which shows my age, and I was in London in the um, early. 80s and kind of was around that you know Soho and 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 etc and it, it did feel like um AIDS came in and and sort of it just it just destroyed that optimism you know there was a feeling of of optimism of of life um and then the, the realization that a the, of AIDS um hit you know and it really did feel like a kind of really severe 
um, moment. And I know Russell T. Davis has has talked about because he obviously one of the, the series he wrote was Queer as Folk, and he never really kind of tackled um, the AIDS epidemic. And this is him sort of years later, um, um, you know, going back and taking stock. Um, and of course, it's happened at a point at which we're in COVID, you know, and it, and and it it, it, it sort of speaks to now as well. I I I felt. Um, but I agree with you about the writing. I mean, his his ability to create characters is just an empathy um, for those characters is 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 extraordinary. Is that have you, is that something that you've you've been watching, Roger? Is it on your radar? It's certainly on my radar. It's, it's on it's on my uh, must watch list. It's, uh, I haven't I haven't seen it as yet. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, to seeing it. I'm a big I came of age during the eighties, um, so it's one of those things that I'm writing about the eighties as well, as well as teaching about it in terms of you know miners' strike and Green and Common and uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah the growth and the birth of the anti-apartheid movement as well as the in the city riot stroke uprisings, uh, which I'd be to see it as as well as the um, uh, you know police brutality. So the eighties are, are, are really pertinent to me, uh, so I wanted this this mm -hmm. film to, to kind of see it. And in terms of uh, uh, yes, uh, Malika, you're making us feel old in terms of your mum. Uh, <laughs> I had another grey hair pop up as you as, uh, uh, as you uh, as you mentioned that, but I can because I can remember uh, probably a difference in not not being but more about denial than and that's where the parallels are to today. Whereas um, you know both the the the, the AIDS epidemic where it was invented from rumours and it's well before any. Social or social media, and people not even managing it. People not even respecting the fact that people were were even gay in the in in, in the uh, in the first place, um, uh, uh, for instance, and and that being a being a punishment um, uh, uh, for them uh, when it was found out. And certainly within the black community, that denial that crossed over into heterosexual communities. You had you had females getting infected from uh, promiscuous uh, husbands. So it, it was not just a, a gay disease. We've seen that still blighting in in. Uh, in places in Africa, so there are a lot of parallels to today. I'm really looking forward. I'm hearing about the uh, the writing. You write in terms of the you didn't cover it, um, and as writers as, as me and Malika, as he wanted a he wanted a joyous experience with queer as folk, um, but on this time he's he's really tackled some mm. tough issues. I really I love that social realism. I'm really looking forward to it. As you were talking there, Roger, it reminded me in talking about the 80s. Uh, um, you reminded me of Pride, the film Pride. Um, yeah. Which kind of brings together a lot of those elements of you know the minor strike, um, you know the LGBTQ community supporting the minors and the minors, um, you know this kind of strong masculine working class identity connecting with that community as well. So I mean, it, it, which I'm sure, um, I mean I haven't um, I haven't looked it out, but I'm sure that that will be available on some platform to watch. And yes, certainly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Pride is on Netflix. It used to be is anyway. It? Yeah, um, yeah, it does feel a lot like Pride. It's got that same, the same vibe to it. And uh, I think something that I re I'm really enjoying about it is that the people depicted in It's a Sin are so normal. You know, they're just kids living their life yeah, and yeah, finding their, you know, found family and just living normal lives, being friends. It's not like, you know, a lot of a lot of age dramas focus on someone who's this great promising person who's like the best in their field or you know some big pinnacle of society and how tragic it is that they have to fall victim to this disease mm. but the um, the thing with it's a sin is that these are just normal people living their lives the, the tragedy is that they might not be able to 
make it to that point where they become this big person or they can't just have a family and, and live. It's, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Again, sorry to um, you know, go back into the 80s, but when we, we had the film, uh, again, we had the film Philadelphia, which it may seem trite, but I can assure you when Denzel Washington, who was like a hero for most of us, started, you know, appeared in that film and his reaction in there when he was, someone was touching him, uh, that was a, that was generally for for heterosexual black men at the time. That was a that was a normal a reaction. He helped he he helped humanize that whole whole story as part of the journey. And I know the film was quite critical. It had a straight man in the lead and Tom Hanks, but it did break down. But I I, I can remember thinking uh, 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 seeing that then, and, and then one of, that was one of the, one of the films. Now it just obviously looks like a a piece of uh, a candy floss. But at the time it was. Uh, groundbreaking in its own it, way it, it was Oscar winning as well yeah it was a hugely important film at the time because it, it, it really took into the mainstream hmm. um, you know those issues um, you know you're absolutely, I mean you might want to argue about you know the pros and cons of that but at the time it, 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 it certainly did it, Malika you, you mentioned there about um, you know so, you know some people that have binge watched um, It's a Sin um, you know I completely agree with you I, I don't I want I want to savour it over the weeks I don't want to. Um, I sort of made that decision. I want to watch it every week with, the, as it were, with the characters. I mean, what what is that decision? Um, do you? Be, do, I mean, Roger as well. I mean, are there things that you binge watch that you think? No, I'm, I want to watch this. I want. I want to get through. I mean, I I did it with the Serpent, which I think is brilliant. Is on BBC. Um, Tara Raheen um, is this um, based on a real life story. Um, that serial killer in the 1970s um, Thailand. So, and I watched it over two days. I watched eight episodes over two days. I thought it was gripping. It was really fantastic. Um, brilliant um, detail. As I say, incredibly gripping. But with It's a Sin, it, I, I, I could, I saw it that it was on, it was available. It's there on Film 4 or Channel 4. Um, but I, no, no, I want to, there's something different about this. Which I thought was quite interesting. I don't know if, if either of you have had that. Well, you obviously have with um, Malika, but any other experiences with that? Yeah, so I'm not a massive fan of binging something. Like sometimes I will, like I really binged The Queen's Gambit, and yeah. when it's all there, it's so tempting. Like it's going to autoplay anyway. So yeah. the only action, <laughs> any action would actually be to stop it. Like you can just sit there and it can just be like shown to you. Um, but I think. With something like It's a Sin, which is quite heavy in the subject matter, but also you just feel really bereft when something finishes, when you really love it. And it's kind yeah. of like like if you're reading a book and you really love it and you like speed read the first half and then you're like start slowing down and you like really finish it. Time. Yeah. I think it's good to it's good to digest it and I think it's good to just reflect and take a breather because you know especially with a limited series like this, where there's only five episodes, like once you're done, you're done. I don't think he's, I don't know if he's going to do a season two. You might be left with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and you could watch it again, but I don't know. I think there's real value in taking your time with something. I think that's partly why um, I May Destroy You from last year worked so well is because it was, you know, in a, a week at a time. So you had, mm. you know, six days to, to savour that and think about it and then, Leap into the next one, uh, Roger. Binge watch or what? binge away, binge, binge, <laughs> and binge again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my partner is um, 
Americans, so instant gratification, also spend a lot of time in uh, Africa and Asia, so just not used to any appointment TV. When it's there, that's it. She wants the next one, and there's, there's just no arguing about any of that. So, um, uh, but I do, I, I, it depends. I, I couldn't watch another one of the serpent. I found the, I haven't been out in that part of the world. I find that very disturbing, uh, so I needed a break. Uh, so, uh, personally, it uh, depends if, if you're you're talking about on, on the kind of Game of Thrones or uh, Better Call Saul, which is what I've, I've recently binged. I want to just rip through all, all in, in a row, but some things I like uh, a space that when it's, when it's more social realism, I certainly take what Malika says on board. We're, we're coming to the we're coming to the end um, of podcast. So one one more tip, um, then Roger, do you want to kick us off with another? So to finish off, uh, then um, I'm going to go to uh, the Disney platform. Um, for Soul, I'm, I'm really upset that this didn't make the uh, the cinema. I wanted to see what they they did with it. It was very um, it was very different. And the lead is, is is Jamie Fox, the first African American uh, in a lead uh, a, a Disney uh, film, and it was uh, it was more on the human emotions and quite a, a story. I need to kind of watch it again, but uh, it was enjoyable uh, since uh, since I, I I watched it. The Pixar are just excellent at those kind of uh, human uh, dramas and all. This is the this is the saxoph this is the it's Pixar animation and and it's a black saxophonist who is about to hit the big time potentially and he um, has an unfortunate accident where he uh, loses his um, he loses his soul doesn't he um, yeah. it's about rediscovering the soul but it's tied in with with uh, music as well absolutely really really enjoyed it very very similar to Inside Out. Uh, yeah, uh, which is probably a, a, a better, uh, well, well done to do. But it's the idea of like you can have two different people. What makes them like a, uh, you know two twins, for instance? But they are, they're they're inhabited with different personalities. So what makes us different? It was very high concept. Really, uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. And also on that platform, just a quickie in is the the Mandalorian. My, what a brilliant in terms of the Star Wars franchise, uh, a, a reimagining of a whole different worlds, different characters. The diversity is just fantastic on on there done a brilliant job from a, a, a really obscure character. And, and it's, it really, instead of building on what's there before, they've, they've gone for something totally new and I've loved it. Uh, is that something that you've seen, Malika, um, Soul? Yes, I've seen Soul. Uh, yeah, I loved it as well. I'm so sad that it wasn't in the cinema that I saw it because it's, it's clearly a, such a cinematic film. Visually, it's amazing. And not only those, those bits in the sort of great before and great beyond, but uh, New York. Just the way oh, that it was like such said. a love letter to New York and to the city, and those moments of like the tiny things, like the heating coming up from the subway and the leaves, like ah, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, me and my partner spent a lot of time in in, in New York. It's one of our favourite cities, and you know, we don't even live there, but you know, even we were getting moist around the eyes just for just wonder. It's just one of those great cities to <laughs> to just enjoy as a, 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 as a playground for especially for entertainment. Of course, we're looking forward to seeing your play sometime there. Your one woman show on Broadway, Monica, sometime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> we, we'll all be there. We'll get a Bristol. We'll get a Bristol posse out. Yeah, get a coach. <laughs> so, Malika, one 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 more um, recommendation then from you. Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit back in time um, for this one and say The Player, which is a Robert Altman film from 1992. Um, Fantastic film. It's great. And yeah, it's on Prime. Um, it's just on the Prime service. So 
you don't need to rent it. It's all included in the Amazon Prime video. Um, it's fantastic. I've developed over lockdown like a weird obsession with Tim Robbins. Um, and so we've just been watching lots of Tim Robbins films and it's great. It's really funny, really sharp, really dark. Uh, and it's about the film industry, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's, yeah, a kind of in, yeah. it's a kind of insider's um, glimpse into the shenanigans of the and chicanery of the film industry. Yeah, yeah. So he's a he's a producer. Um, he starts getting these threatening letters from a screenwriter, yeah. and he needs to kind of work out who it is because he's said no to so many projects and things like this. Um, it's got a sort of hail Caesar vibe to it. Uh, it's got loads of sort of in jokes and so many cameos like cameos every few seconds of these big uh these big 80s 90s stars and it's just great and it has this amazing opening scene this amazing yeah it's got a really famous shot a single take isn't it yeah yeah just one single take eight minutes um it's so well choreographed and yeah as soon as you watch that you're like okay i'm invested yeah it's really fun and kind of self-aware and wicked, yeah. I just hadn't, I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it before, and that people don't constantly talk about it. Well, again, again, with that, um, that age differential, um, I remember it being released in the cinemas, um, and it was a real tour de force, you know. I mean, it, it was one of the kind of highlights of that year, certainly in independent cinema, um, because it spoke so much to cinema, both mm. in terms of content but also visually, you know. Um, and I haven't thought about the player for um, a long time since you've mentioned it, so I'll be, I'll be heading on to um, Amazon Prime to reacquaint myself with that. Great. Just um, what, one that I um, really looking forward to is coming up is Paul Greengrass's um, new film News of the World. Uh, you know, Paul Greengrass is one of the kind of great British directors. He's he's probably known for the Jason Bourne films and the kind of fantastic tense energy that he, he's got in his filmmaking. But, you know, he comes from a um, a television current affairs um, background and he's very, um, and, he, you know, he made um, Bloody Sunday, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, Passenger, um, the, the, also the film about the plane um, in 9-11 that almost went into the White House. Um, so he's, very, he's very aware of current political events and, What's interesting about News of the World is it's it's a revisiting the Western genre, um, and it's it's Tom Hanks. In the UK, it's got a bit of a problem because it's called News of the World, um, so you think of a, you think of the newspaper, but it's it's set in the um, in the eighteen hundreds in the um, Midwest, and it's about a guy that goes around telling the news and reading out a newspaper to people who couldn't read. Um, and he, um, on his journey, um, picks up a young girl who he's taken to her relatives, and it's played by the young girl that was in System Crasher, if anybody saw that, um, which is a fantastic film. She, she's a kind of young German um, star, this girl. Um, but it's it's Greengrass using the Western, and, you know, the Western as a genre will, will just not lie down. It, it always kind of comes back in terms of America to talk about, I think, about contemporary contemporary times. And it is a reflection on truth, uh, fake news, truth. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be coming out on Netflix, I think, in February. And just coincidentally, I, I came across All the President's Men, um, the really brilliant um, Alan J. Pakula film from the 1970s, which is on BBC iPlayer, and just a reminder of the importance of journalism, the importance of 
news stories, you know, that, that just um, re really sort of spoke to um, now. Um, so I'll be interested in how Paul Greengrass sort of tackles that. So any, any as we wind up, any last, um, any last comments? Yeah, I know your you, um, one night in Miami was 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 fantastic. I have to to to, to say that again. That 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 was a um, a great film. Um, that was the the it's the it's the one that sort of speculates on Malcolm X, Sam Cooke. Jake yeah, but it's, it's origins to to stay with the play and to stay with what Sam Malika's doing are, are from the stage. It's uh, it's a stage yeah. play uh, uh, from that, um, and it did show at Bristol Vic. I first saw it at Bristol Vic. Uh, it was shown there as the guys from Nottingham uh, uh, brought it uh, down. And uh, But the, Regina King has done such a fantastic job, I have to say, as directing. Very difficult uh, film. I'm playing around with that, that uh, uh, imagining what would have happened in my play with Dr. King and uh, uh, Martin Luther King um, and Donald Trump and his mother and father making appearances in, in Barack Obama's Dreams and Nightmares. So she's done a fantastic job of, 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 of transferring that stage play into a really... Uh, hard-edged uh, a film. I'm really looking forward to to seeing that, and I love uh, Leslie Odom Jr. And so it'd be really great to see him on on screen. And yeah, I've heard, yeah. I've heard things. Um, yeah, they were all fantastic. There's, the Brit plays the lead as Malcolm Max. You're going to be seeing a, a lot more of him. But yeah, Leslie uh, Odom Jr. from Clemency was uh, was my one of my films from last year. Still having nightmares about that one, um, especially with the the re Trump's recent execution of the woman there. It's uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, some, some good stuff there. So there's a selection, a great selection of um, films that we've been watching and recommend, um, if you've not seen them, um, to take in. Some TV series as well. Um, hopefully we shall see you in the cinema soon. But until then, um, thank you very much, Malika, and thank you very much, Roger. That's all for this month's podcast.